Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hello and welcome to the latest Forza Italian football podcast. I'm your returning host, Connor Clancy. I'm not Nicholas Carroll. We don't really know where he is, but joining me this week is Vito Doria. Vito, you're always reliable. I appreciate you so much. Welcome back. No worries, Connor. Always a pleasure to be on here to speak to you and all the other people that have come on the podcast so far this season. So looking forward to another chat. Yeah, Nick, do give us a shout if you do tune in. Let us know if you're okay. Um, Luca, I haven't seen you since our Italian event adventure last week. This time last week, it was coming to an end. It's, it's an emotional time, but it's good to be speaking to you again. And welcome back to the podcast. Hi, yeah, obviously very emotional over here as well. But buzzing to be uh, late up with Nick going able over the, the festive area. So let's crack on. He's trying to get his Christmas holidays in a bit early, I think. Right, so in the absence of Nick, let's start by discussing an Inter loss. They are now third after losing 3-1 to Udinese at the San Siro, which I'm sure I wasn't the only person caught off guard by this one. But, Luca, you watch this. Explain what on earth happened to Inter. It was a bit of a strange game, because in the first half, Inter played fairly well, and they levelled straight off Udinese, taking the lead through Lasagna a bit against one of play. And you thought, all right, in the second half, you'd expect them to, to really push on and get the win that you would have expected from that game. But they just didn't really manage to turn up at all in that second half. And Udinese were pretty ruthless in just picking them off on the break. And I don't, I don't think it's a particularly disastrous result for Inter. Obviously, they lose their unbeaten streak. But I think there were perhaps a few other games earlier in the season where they were somewhat fortuitous. But... Yeah, I think Udinese deserve credit for how they played. I think Oddo's been uh, having an early impact there. And yeah, they, they deserve credit. They were they were very effective. It was a good away performance from them. They got the ball forward quickly and they finished it well. And 
they got a bit of luck, I think, with the third goal where he kind of completely mishit the ball and it sort of went into chipped Handanovic, went into the far the far corner. But overall, Udinese can be very proud of what they did. And I think a bit of a shake up call for Inter, but it's probably what they needed just going into this Christmas period now. And there's no real need for panic though there. They've been doing very well, they've been performing above expectations. So I think you can just put it down as a bit of a slightly freak result with a bit of luck and a good away opponent and they can move on from there. Yeah, that's the thing. We saw, we watched the Juventus-Inter game together last week and I I kind of felt like our feelings of the game differed to a lot of people's. It it seemed to be celebrated, not celebrated, analysed as almost a a Juve win. A Juve win last week despite it being a nil-nil draw, which I saw as being a better result for Inter, but is the real test of them to see how they bounce back from this first upset? As you say, it is just a freak loss maybe, but one loss in what is it? 17 games so far. They were unbeaten before this weekend. Is it now a real test of their title credentials to see how they recover from this? Well, I don't know because whenever you hear anything coming out of Inter, they never really speak of the title. So, Perhaps it's just kind of a case of the result being as it should be for this team who's pushing for the top four. They're not going to necessarily win every single game. They they constantly speak about Champions League qualifications and they never talk about the title. And, you know, it's not it's not the kind of result that's going to just jeopardise everything and ruin everything. It's just one of those things that could happen. They could have lost earlier in the season at Bologna. They got a draw. They, there were other games where they perhaps really ground it out and got perhaps a better performance than what their display merited. I think that's perhaps kind of been the character of this into team so far. They've been getting derided a lot for their being lucky early in the season. And then I think it's kind of dawned on people that now they're actually the real deal. They do that kind of cliched thing of, you know, winning without playing well. So I think overall, it's not really a, Perhaps it's not really a shock result because I, I, I don't think they've really built this team so much for the title. They have certain things in their favour that they're not in Europe and that continues, whatever. But I think they can they can put this kind of result behind them. They don't really need to to be too despondent about it. Vito, they've got a trip to Sassuolo next. Are you just expecting them to get back to winning ways there? They should be able to. Uh, although Sassuolo has changed coach, they've got Beppe Iacchini now and he's managed to get uh, wins in his last two games. But uh, Inter on paper is still a much superior team and Spalletti is clearly a superior tactician to Iacchini. So I reckon they'll bounce, bounce back for sure. All right. It, do, it does look like they're going to get the Champions League places this season. I know it's a bit early, but that top four do look like they're starting to pull away from the rest with it being Napoli, Juve, Inter and Roma in that order at the moment. Where do you think Inter need to strengthen then, Vito, in January, if at all, if they are to hold down that Champions League place or, as I think they will, maybe even more and be involved in that title discussion? I'm still convinced that they need a true number 10, a true attacking midfielder or, as they say in Italy, the trequatista role. And there's been speculation linking into with Henrik Mkhitaryan from Manchester United, Javier Pastore from Paris Saint-Germain, and Alex Tixira from Jiangsu Suning. So the three players worth taking into consideration. And 
if I had a preference, I would go for Mkhitaryan. And I reckon someone like him would really fit into that role and add that extra creativity because Borja Valero is better when he's operating deeper in midfield. And also, most of the time, they're relying a lot on Candreva and Perisic to do something from the wings or even D'Ambrosio and Santon. So if they have someone that plays between the lines, I think that would add an extra dimension to the game. All right, Luca, I will come to you for the next game. But, Vito, just to finish on this, it's only fair to give some credit to Udinese. Massimo Ado has done a great job since taking over there. Um, what's he done to make Udinese this all-conquering team? I think he's added some extra structure, some clear identity and put players probably in proper positions as well as giving certain players more confidence. I thought there were doubts about Udinese's scouting system, but what it truly looked like is that uh, Luigi Del Neri, Oddo's predecessor, has probably had his time in Serie A. Oddo is an up-and-coming coach, got Pescara into Serie A. Unfortunately, I think the squad was out of his depth, out of their depth, so... He couldn't do much there, but um, he's just put them in a 3-5-2, no fiddling around with 4-4-2 or 4-3-3. Usually the strikers are Maxi Lopez and Kevin Lasagna, but on the weekend he had Rodrigo De Paul playing uh, behind Lasagna. So um, I think with that balance of defending deep and then being quick on the break, as well as even when in possession having some confidence on the ball, they just look like a far more rejuvenated side under Oddo. All right, uh, moving on then to one of the other teams in that title race. Actually, just before we do, we should mention Interbells, Luca. Um, yeah, Inter released a Christmas song, and it's fair to say it's pretty atrocious, or are you going to defend it? Well, I, someone someone's pointed out that they haven't really won a game since that's come out. They drew Portland in the cup, obviously went from penalties, drew at Juventus, and then lost to Dinezo, so perhaps it's... Not very unfortunate, but I think in terms of a sort of crappy Christmas song, it, it gives you what you want. You've got Zanetti, you've got Nagatomo giving it all he's got with a little solo section. It is kind of what you want. It's just a bit of fun at the Christmas period. What's wrong with that? Yeah, no, I, th- I think we found our outro music anyway for this week. Um, I think, though, technically it might have been out last week, but it just passed me by. Right, Bologna Juve. 3-0, straightforward enough win. Luca, you watched this. I didn't. What did I miss? Not too much, to be honest. It's very, very run-of-the-mill kind of win for Juventus. They're really hitting form, kept on a clean sheet. Good goal, I suppose, from Pjanic on the free kick. Perhaps Mirante could have saved it, but he did very well to get it in from a pretty tight angle into the corner. And then once they're ahead, they just really just pushed Bologna to one side and just controlled the game, made it 3-0. Bologna offered some resistance in the first 20 minutes, but by now it was just Juventus controlling the ball, Juventus just picking up the points without really having to work too hard for it. Um, One thing, as I said, this game is pretty textbook, really, Juve winning away to Bologna, but one thing surrounding Juventus that has interested me lately is that Andrea Brazzadli has got a new contract, a new one-year deal, which to me doesn't reflect too well on Daniele Rugani and his chances of breaking into the team there as well as Mattia Caldara going there next season or next summer from Atalanta. You'd have to worry for Rugani, but Vito, do you think that Rugani is going to have to move on, if not in January this summer, to play regularly? I seriously think he's got to consider it. And even if uh, 
the Juve board uh, reluctant to let him go. I think he's got to take a serious look at his future. While Max Allegri is the coach, I don't think there's much faith in him. And since the 3-2 loss to Sampdoria, Rugani hasn't started for Juve and Serie A. So I think he deserves to be playing somewhere else where we can get regular time and get more confidence there because for how many years? Um, I mean, it's been two years at least that he's been on the Juve bench. And the more time he's on the bench, the more it's going to hinder his development and destroy his confidence. So I think... It's come to the point that, you know, forget about the saying patience is a virtue. I'm sure deep inside Urugani's running, running out of patience and he deserves to be somewhere where he can be trusted and be that rock in defence. Yeah, it is a shame for him because when Caldara signed, it was kind of, there was a lot of excitement about the two of them possibly playing together for one of Italy's biggest teams and possibly winning silverware and then bringing that over to the Italian national team. But it does look increasingly like he's going to have to move on. Nicholas Carroll is alive, by the way. Um, I think he just slept in, which is nice. Thanks, Nick. But Luca, the super sub, and I suppose we're going to talk about a super sub in Medi Benatia because he deserves credit for what he has done coming in there. He's kind of been written off in recent months. And since joining Juve really is a bit of a joke. But he's showing signs of his Roma self lately. What do you think the secret behind his um, renaissance is? I reckon it's due to continuity. And also, I reckon that with the fitness and the form of both Bazzelli and Chiellini, but yeah, more so with Chiellini not being as fit as he used to be, I think that continuity has helped a lot and... Of course, uh, Allegri, by the look of things, he'll trust the experienced heads more than someone like Rugani, who who I don't think is particularly raw, but is still an inexperienced player. So being 30 years old, I think uh, Benatia is a more proven player and Allegri probably trusts him more because of that. Okay, back on top then are Napoli, who beat Torino away 3-1. Uh, is it fair to say, Vito, that they're back to their best and they've kind of just brushed off this mid-season slump? On the basis of what we saw on the weekend, I reckon that's a good possibility because I saw far more confident Napoli. They were 3-0 up after half an hour and even in the second half, they did have some chances, but they played a bit smarter, a bit more calculated than in previous games, which was, I think, very good to see and also important for those title-winning teams. Uh, Lorenzo Insigne came on as a sub, but the game was already won, so that's a positive because last week I was thinking that uh, losing Insigne would really hurt Napoli because he is uh, an unpredictable player and an exciting player to watch, but they managed to get that lead without him, so that's a good sign for Sarri and his squad. Yeah, well, it did finish just the three goals to one, but I haven't watched the game. It could have been six or seven, really. The amount of, or the number of chances that Napoli passed up was remarkable, really. But someone who didn't pass up one of his chances, Marek Hamšík, Luka, just how important a player has he been for this club? He has turned down moves away. He sacked Minorihola as his agent, as maybe Gigi Donnarumma should learn from. Um, just to stay with the club that he loves, 
and he has now equaled the goal-scoring record of the great Diego Maradona. Luca, do you want to just give Hamshik some love before we move on? Yeah, I think I think we've gone over this before when he's reached other landmarks, but yeah, it's certainly re- remarkable what he's done there at Napoli because that club has also had quite a lot of, you know, it's had quite a lot of, of moving in and out, going, not lasting a long time. A lot of the stars were gone. He was there with that, you know, that uh, Lavezzi, Cavani, they were the core of the team. Then they moved on. It was all about Higuain and... But it's always been about him, really, behind behind the scenes. And even if there's been kind of slightly more flashy players up front, and he's just come to really embody that side. And I think that means a lot for a, a club like Napoli, with all it represents. And obviously, it's a great achievement for him to to match Maradona with this really important campaign that Napoli are going for at the moment, as they they really try and push for that um, scudetto. But I think, yeah, I think we've mentioned it before, but it's just. He just deserves so much kind of credit for how long he's been there, how committed he's been and how good a player he's been. I think perhaps there's been a slight trait of people underrating him over the years, but I think that's kind of pretty much just been wiped out by his consistency and performances at the highest level and credit to him. Sorry, I just got distracted by a really annoying person in the comments there. I'm considering having him blocked because it's just abuse at this point. But Andrea Bellotti scored for Torino, Vito. Um, He's kind of slowed down a little bit given his ridiculous form last season, but he's still got four goals this year. Is this just him kind of regressing to being a normal but brilliant number nine starting his career or was the praise a little bit too far at times last season? Uh, I, I sometimes keep wondering if it's one thing or the other. Um, based on what we've seen this season, injuries have hurt him or a knee injury has sort of affected his form, so that didn't help. And then Mahalovic was using the four-two-three-one formation, which I reckon impacted on his game, so... I reckon at this stage he's just having an off year and I reckon he will come good. But I don't think it's too much to do with him aside from his injury, but more with the way Sinisa Mihalovic sets up his team and how the attack is built around him. Because if I had to really pinpoint one weakness in the Torino team, and really there's more than one, but... Adam Lloyd is one particular weak point because I find him to be far too inconsistent. I mean, he's got the raw talent, but I reckon he's a waste. If he provided better support for Bellotti, I reckon Bellotti would be firing in more goals. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Okay, Luca, I'm not going to come to you specifically about this match, but, oh, no, Luca has a computer issue at the moment. So, Vito, I will stick with you. But Torino, at the moment, as they were for much of last season, are kind of just middling there in the table there. They're 10th at the moment on 23 points. They are only four off Samp in sixth. But I don't know about you. Last season, they looked like they might be able to take that next step and challenge with the bigger teams for that Europa League spot, maybe. This year, they don't really look like they're going to do it, even though they are close at the moment. What do you think they're missing to make that next step? Is it Mihailovic that needs to be replaced with someone else? Or are there just a few gaps in the squad still? I do feel in a way that the fence could be a little bit better, but I honestly reckon that Mahalovic is the main problem at Torino. These so-called motivational coaches who just uh, scream and shout and talk about fighting spirit, I think the close to the use-by dates in Italian football and even, you know, the truly defensive coaches, although Mahalovic isn't, you know, someone who plays Catanaccio, I think those coaches are a bit out of fashion in Italy as well. You've got to have a more balanced style. You've got to balance defensive and attacking football. Whereas with Mihalovic, I think Torino has a simplistic style of play and too many players are inconsistent. It's not just Balotti having an off year and Adam Leitch being Adam Leitch. Daniele Baselli, he's got the talent to be a good midfielder Chipping with goals dictate play, but he doesn't do it week in, week out. And there are a few other players that have potential, but they're just not clicking. They're not consistently performing for the Granata. So I think Urbano Cairo and Gianluca Petrati need to take a serious look at who's an ideal candidate to really bring the best out of these players. Yeah, I do agree with you, especially about Pacelli, because good player and I watched him quite closely when he was with Atalanta and he's got a lot of talent as he has shown in spells with Torino but I do think he just needs I don't know maybe a coach who's going to put his arm around him more so than be a bit of a terrifying presence in Mihailovic but all right moving on um, Verona beat Milan 3-0 and all right to start things off Vito on a scale of 1 to 10 how funny did you find this result uh, before I mention that, uh, Verona have beaten in, uh, AC Milan in some crucial matches in the past. So in 1973, Verona won 5-3. I give that an 8. 
Verona bet them 2-1 in 1990. They were, Milan were reigning European champions and Verona got relegated, so I give that a 9 out of 10. This one, this Verona is an average team. AC Milan at the moment are in a mess. This is definitely a 10 out of 10. <laughs> Vito, I think it's generous for you to even call Verona an average team because they're probably a little bit below that. Luca, you had to drop out on us there, but um, I just asked Vito, on a scale of 1 to 10, how funny is this result? He went straight in with 10. I'm going to have to agree. You watch this, and I would be surprised if your answer was anything less than 10. Yeah, 10. Complete masterclass as well from Verona to lose the <laughs> Cup high three 0 to get me lands card down and then hit him when it really hurt in the league. All right, Genoese down at Roma. Then we kind of mentioned it briefly earlier, but what do we make of this situation, Vito? You've written about this, so I'll go to you first. Should he just sack off Raola and develop his own career? I seriously think he needs to do that because he seems to be mentally fragile, Donnarumma. He's got incredible talents. He's shown that in the first two seasons he's played him, but this season he has not been able to replicate that form. And I think this transfer saga has really been affecting his form. Uh, Raiola is a very shrewd man, very cunning. He is a top agent. He, I don't know him personally, but in saying that, he does come across as a man that's looking out for his own interests. And if Donnarumma claims to be the AC AC Milan fan that he was and really wants to stay with the Rossoneri, he needs to break off his association with Raiola. And as you mentioned before, have a look at Marek Hemsik. He loves Napoli. He was born and raised in Slovakia, has no Italian or Neapolitan origins, but it's become a second home for him, like it has been for a lot of foreign stars who've played in Naples. So um, depending on what he truly wants, if he wants the money and the inform clubs, stick with Viola. If he wants to be with the Rossoneri for life, just uh, say goodbye to Raiola. And I don't think it will affect his career if he gives uh, Raiola the flick. Uh, I saw uh, Donnarumma at the under-21 Euros in Poland when the kind of first saga of this whole Raiola, he wants to leave, kind of scandal being played out in the press and all the fans getting on his back and I saw him speaking in person when it was happening and he's been asked about it and like seeing him there in that kind of situation even though he's like so obviously talented and so big you can see that he's still like so young and the way the way he spoke he wasn't particularly eloquent when dealing with tough questions so I feel quite a large degree of sympathy with him because I think it's kind of obvious that Ryla's probably hurting him in the long term and he'd be better off to leave him and get a new agent and just stay where he is and continue developing. But I think he's not perhaps as a person able to do that. He's still young and he's probably, Ryla's been there, he's been with all these great players. So it must be really hard for him to just, you know, just say, oh no, you've got to go, even if that's probably the right thing. And it must be affecting him all this uh criticism he's receiving from the fans because even if you can understand where they're coming from it's probably counterproductive and it must really affect him you can see in that game I think in the cup when he was getting stick the uh, Benucci hugging him in the, the the changing room and he just looked distraught so it's all a bit of a sorry story and I think it's obvious what the the solution is but it's uh, perhaps not so easy to see if it's going to actually come about or not 
Yeah, I do. I do agree with you. I find it hard not to sympathise with Donnarumma really because he is a kid. We must have a Nick did a video when we were in London over the summer about this, and we said that he is a kid who is almost having his decisions being forced upon him by Raiola. And it must be difficult to just tell Raiola to disappear because, as you said, Luca, he's dealt with some of the game's biggest players. But Raiola is the man that you appoint or keep as your agent if you want to move a lot and make as much money as you possibly can. If, like Marek Amsic, you want to stick with one club and leave something of a legacy there or at least spend five, six years with the club, you don't have him there. And you would hope that for the sake of Donnarumma's career, maybe his family could him push Raula away. We have a lot of comments coming in, basically just kind of criticizing Milan. And Nick has chimed in in the comments saying that if he were a Milan fan, he would like to see Donnarumma moved on if he sticks with Raiola because, yeah, it, it Raiola is kind of a toxic character to have around if you are looking at things from a fan's perspective. Right, where are we going to next with this one? Okay, yeah, probably the game of the week, really, and I don't think it's me being biased saying that that came in Bergamo where Atalanta and Lazio played a, a three Lazio, Vito, they proved that even without Ciro Mobile, they have no problems in attack and they can score even in his absence. Mm. Well, they can thank uh, Sergei Milinkovic Savic for his brace, and I think he's an excellent midfielder. Uh, he's a very complete player, very consistent too, and he adds something extra to this team as well. Luis Alberto is the main player who provides the flair and he scored a nice equaliser to make it 3-3. But uh, Sergei Malinkovic-Savic, um, he's been a player that's impressed me for a few years with Lazio. The only downside with that, though, was Etrit Berisha, the Atalanta goalkeeper. I think he could have saved both uh, Malinkovic-Savic goals. I think he had an off day by his standards. Yeah, definitely. He was very slow down to the first one. It's almost like he thought he just got his positioning wrong. I felt like he thought that was going wide. And then the second one was just a bit bizarre because that first couple of viewings, it looked like it had taken a deflection the way it bounced, but it was just straight in. Barisha seemed to be thrown by the, the bodies in front of him. But yeah, on another day, he saves those quite easily. Look at Sergei Milinkovic Savic. We've discussed him on here before. We compared him to someone like Paul Pogba. He has been linked with moves away. I think there were scouts from Manchester United, Barcelona, Chelsea, and Monaco or someone at this game. He said that he doesn't care who was there to watch him. He's a Lazio player. How important is it for Lazio to keep hold of him, given his undoubted ability? Yeah, I think I think it's vital. You've seen kind of recently is that Lazio have had these players who get a bit of a reputation linked to the big clubs. I think you had Anderson with, with it before. Then that kind of got derailed by injuries. I think it's it's vital for Lazio. He's he's been so good. He's so young. You think he's only going to get better, and he's just been a, a great a great asset for them. I think perhaps one thing that perhaps affects his reputation is that for some reason he never plays internationals. He never gets picked for Serbia, so perhaps that might decrease his value. But I think that could be a, a plus point in a way for Lazio if people are less kind of aware of him. If his reputation's not kind of perhaps matching to his actual ability and his performances in Serie A, if they can keep him as kind of player who's not kind of recognised for as good as he is, that, that could do them nicely. But he's just been doing so well at that Lazio team and it will be 
interesting to see if they they can they can keep him. Yeah, it will be interesting. And I think if he was playing at a Premier League club, there would probably be figures of a hundred million plus put on his head already. But Vito, you know, if they are to sell him, hopefully not for their sake in January, but maybe in the summer, how much do you think they could get from? Well, I've heard some stories that hundred million is probably the possible going price for Milinkovic Savic and. You mentioned the Manchester United scouts. Uh, I think in one of those stories, Man United was that team looking to offer 100 million euros for him. So it would be ideal if ideal if Lazio can hold on to him. But knowing Claudio Lotito and the type of president he is, if he gets 100 million, he's going to cash in. No worries. He'll take the profits. No problems. I don't think it's about him building a team to win trophies like the ones from the 90s and early 2000s for him. It's just about you know, balancing the books and cashing in as much as possible. Well, speaking of 100 million euro talents, Papu Gomez and Joseph Ilicic were absolutely amazing the other night. And it's it's good to see Papu in that form because he, he has been struggling of late. But the pass he played for Athanad, the second goal, was phenomenal. And then that over his shoulder while sliding to hit the bottle and score first time was just phenomenal, really. And I'm not just saying that because but someone who maybe we haven't given enough credit to on here and I, I feel like I'm mainly responsible for this is Mattia Caldara given that I watch Atalanta more than anyone else here but Juventus have a real damn signing for them this summer Luca what does the future hold for this kid? Well you think he can go although I mentioned Lugami before perhaps he can go further than him. I guess he's got that that extra dimension to his game and that he can score goals as well. I think in a team like Ventus set pieces, he can be a real a real threat. And he really, really burst out last season. Then he got signed by Juventus. But I think overall it was quite a shrewd decision on their part to let him remain at Atalanta for so long on loan. Because again, having already mentioned Rugani, they're they're, they're stacked at the moment for centre backs to their Benucci as well when they signed Galara. But I think he can really, really, really go far. He's, he plays, you know, he plays like he's older than he is. I think he'd be getting around the Italy setup soon enough, and certainly, you know, you'd expect him to go far, especially with Italy not having qualified for the World Cup on the international stage. He can really play a role, a more important role early on, because there's going to be kind of less pressure. There's going to be more impetus on whoever the next Italy manager is to really shape things up, and you can see him being at the heart of a, a new defence there. He is absolutely amazing. I think if he is to go to Juve, he could probably play the role that Bonucci has left vacant in that he can be a playmaker from deep. His distribution isn't quite as good, but he's able to carry the ball forward. And I, I do think Atalanta probably have one of the most attacking defences in Serie A. Him and Andrea Masiello in particular just love charging forward whenever they have possession. And at that Everton game last last month now, um, there was a moment late on, I think it was 3-1 or 4-1 at this point, and he was being closed down by two Everton players, and he just kind of dragged the ball back through them both and then just pulled it back again and moved forward, and the two of them were just completely embarrassed. And He's pulling out skills like that as if he's a number 10. And defensively, he probably still has a little bit to learn. His decisions can be a bit rash, but yeah, I do think he is definitely one worth watching, and I know we're not exactly groundbreaking making any groundbreaking discoveries here by saying that, but 
no, seriously, Mattia Caldara could really go on to big things. Um, one game I saw that won't get headlines, Benevento against Spal. Benevento went 1-0 up and it looked for the brief of the moments like they might actually get that first win. But Spal came back and won 2-1. Vito, do you think that this was Benevento's chance to finally get that win and it might elude them for the rest of the season? I reckon it was an opportunity waste considering that they did take the lead and they actually had a few good chances as well to take the lead earlier. And even when the scores were 1-1, they could have won it then because Gaetano Letizia, he had a lob attempt and Alfred Gomez was off his line, but it went wide. So it really was one of those games that could have gone either way, to be honest. And once again, Benevento can feel hardly done by that they dropped points again. Yeah, we won't spend too long on this, but Lucas Ball, we watched them together last week. Only their third win of the season. They are still in the bottom three, just um, level on points now with Genoa in 17th. But what chance do you give them at staying up? I think they've still got a, a good chance because barring Benevento being completely hopeless, the actual relegation fight's very close if you exclude the bottom side. I think because everyone's picking up points at Benevento or against Benevento, it keeps even closer still because Rona won, moved out of the relegation zone, but then uh, Crotone also won, so they were straight back in. And I think Spau, they're very much one of those teams who's really in that fight, but one or two good results and they'll be okay. And I think, like we mentioned, having seen them live, I think they do have good players. They have they can play some good football for a team that's struggling down the bottom. And I think a lot of it will be to do with confidence and they seem to get quite a lot of unfair criticism possibly at home with Boriello obviously being targeted but if they can get some away results where there's less pressure on them that will obviously help us and I think with that that squad they can make a good effort of it um, Okay Vito I won't come to you for that but I will come to you for one of our questions that's coming from Rob Canavan I'm willing to call him a friend of the pod um, how likely is a Roma type win this season? Do you want to take that? I'll be honest, because of Roma's history of uh, self-destructing and underachieving, I'm still very cautious and pessimistic about Roma. So if they somehow manage to win it this season, I think it would be an outstanding achievement because I think in other years they were a bit more convincing in their wins, more fluid in their football whereas this is the first year of Di Francesco coaching them and also with Monchi as the new sporting director, I still think that they're still in a, let's say, a teething process and there's still more to come, but I'm confident that if it's not this year, maybe in the next year or so, Roma will finally win that fourth Scudetto. It does look like they're putting together something special there, all right, with Di Francesco, but if they can get through the next month, and they're still in the discussion. I think they've got every chance because, Luca, I'll, I'll list their fixtures for you between now and the end of January. They've got Torino first in the Coppa Italia. Then they play Juventus. Or I don't know if these are in order, are they? Yeah, they are. Then they play Juventus at, away, Sassuolo at home, Atalanta at home, Inter away, and then two games against Sampdoria, both home and away, at the end of January. So if they come through that and they're still, what, a couple of points off top, they've got every chance, don't they? Yeah, like I think I'd 
I'd sort of side with veto, veto now on the side of cautions is because you expect them to kind of be the that nearly side who's very good but never quite has enough about them to win. But they do have that game in hand, like you mentioned. I think they have that could also help them own away because they're sort of slightly behind that front three of Juve into Napoli. There's a bit less pressure. I think a lot of people were skeptical about them. I was, and they've kind of proved us wrong. And they've done a lot better in the Champions League than was expected. I think that could perhaps come into play later on, which could perhaps harm a, a title bid with Champions League. And they've got Shakhtar the next, which you think on paper is one of the the kind of ties, but. I think, yeah, they've got a lot of depth. I think Schick's starting to come in now. I've always liked him. He, he gives them something else. And I think they, they, they'll they be there. I think they'll be in the race. But I, I can't really see them see them winning it, to be honest. All right. I'm happy with that. They're in the race. There you go, Rob. And kind of confirms my thoughts too. So, Luca, we've come to the end. Thanks very much for stepping in. At literally the last minute, 15 minutes after we were starting to record originally, you stepped up. So, well done. Thank you very much. You're welcome. Vito, thank you as ever for being the most reliable member of the FIF pod. Always a pleasure, Connor. Always a pleasure. All right, Vito, let them know what you're going to be writing this week and where they can find you on the social medias. Well, this week you can... uh obviously find my writing at Forza Italian Football and this week's feature in particular will be about me elaborating about those transfer targets that Inter should be looking at in the Trequatista role. So more about how Mkhitaryan and co could add something to Spalletti's side. Other than that, uh, have a look at more of my stuff at uh, on Twitter. Oh, here's my handle, Vito C. Doria. And, of course, that's the same for my Instagram account. And I also have a fan page on facebook too so check my work there good stuff right i'm looking forward to that inter piece by the way so get it in quick please luca of the episode let the listeners know where they can get you on twitter instagram and whatever else you may have well thanks for the the publicity con culture as ever it's uh, <laughs> <laughs> Oh, Concalcio has passed its expiry date, mate. He doesn't exist anymore, sadly. Um, yeah, I am on Twitter and Instagram at Clancy. Don't listen to what Lucas says. And at the moment, I'm posting some lovely photos from when we were in Italy together, Lucas. So they are worth looking at on Instagram. But yeah, until next time, I don't think there is anything for me to say other than ciao for now. Ciao, ciao, ciao.
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.